Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking, fucking killing, killing Me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for tuning in. Big announcement! Woo! Guys, we've set a date for our one-year party. So mark your calendars, text your friends, cancel all your plans. Because Saturday, May 4th, we're having our one-year party. Mm-hmm. It'll be... Fundraiser slash music slash dance party slash, slash big reveal from us slash alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so come through. Yeah. Uh, we will put up all the details soon where it's going to be, what our ticket price is, special things happening. You'll get a little preview throughout the month of April. Mm-hmm. This week we have Mark. He is a musician and his band is called My, My Father's, Father's Son. Son. Uh, we first met Mark a couple months ago when we went to one of his shows at the Cameron House, and he is absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Go to Spotify and download his tracks because they're pretty great. Yeah, let's get going. My name is Mark Kumala, and I am My Father's Son. I'm a folk singer-songwriter out of Montreal, Quebec, and I tour constantly, and I have a new record coming out on June 5th. Perfect. Um, can you talk a little bit about the name? Yeah. Are we going now? Yeah. We're going. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Already fucked up. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, the name is just, it's a song that I wrote. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, in college. So I used to play by my name, Mark Kumala. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's spelled K-U-L-M-A-L-A. And people had a hard time saying it. Mm-hmm. And no one could ever spell it right on uh, any show bills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so after that, I stopped doing the solo stuff altogether for about six years. And I played in a band called The Allens in London and then another band called Mountain of Wolves. And uh, when I was moving to Montreal, I wanted to get back. I knew I had to leave Mountain of Wolves. And so I wanted to get back into doing my own stuff again. And I'd learned that I didn't want to go as my name because it was just, <laughs> it was too much of a headache. And so the song I had written called My Father's Son, I just thought it would be a cool band name. And so, yeah. What spurred the decision to move to Montreal? My girlfriend. Ah. My first school, yes. <laughs> as all big moves. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like immersing yourself in that Montreal song, singer, scene? I haven't really played a lot in Montreal. Is that because it's not, you don't sing in French? No, I don't really have an answer for why I don't play there. Um, For a lot of it, it was just because I had my violin player, Paul, was in London. And so most of the shows I would do based on his availability. So I knew he couldn't come to Montreal either. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, I've done I've done a couple shows in the area. I did one in January, but I haven't really been playing too much in the scene. That's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't really... <laughs> Do you, like, push to be booked in Montreal, or are you just, like, letting things kind of flow in a more natural... Yeah, I think I'm more so focusing on Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big scene here, and this is where a lot of the agents and... Mm-hmm. the labels are based out of that I would like to get the attention of and so I've been trying this year just to like focus more so on Toronto right but I am I'm supposed to meet up with a new violin player in Montreal this coming week and so that's gonna that'll help me play more yeah. be more motivated to play in the area right 
So half, I have some stuff coming up. Half people. of your band is here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it, I just got so used to coming back to play because, like, Paul and I played together in London before I moved away. And I'd always kind of toured extensively in Ontario. And so it was just like, I already have these contacts. I already have these venues I could just go and play. And so mm-hmm. it just made sense to come back all the time. Cool. Yeah. Um, how did you meet Paul Fisterer? Not Paul, violinist Paul. Paul Fisterer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was listening to, to their, their interviews. I loved them. You mean the, I love Paul. You, you mean the two bottles of whiskey deep that we decided yeah. to do a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> was that at their house? Yeah. 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 We went out there for a weekend. It was so fun. Was, it, that's, was that the new house? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, well, Paul, as you know, I'm sure you talked about, played in a band called The Beauties. Yeah. And I have, like, this long history of meeting Paul a million times before I met Paul. Because I played in a band called The Allens, and we, pro- we uh, did a record in Toronto with uh, Derek Downham. He was producing it, and he's, uh, he was the drummer in The Beauties. Mm-hmm. And so anytime we would come to town to record, The Beauties did their Sunday residency at the Dakota. They did that for, like, 10 years or something yeah. like that. And so we'd always go and check them out. And then they did a residency at Call the Office in London, and we opened for them one time. And so, like, I've met Paul a million times. <laughs> I just don't... We were all drinking, I guess. Really. <laughs> so I really don't remember meeting him. And, uh, and, like, my Paul, the violin player, he always, like, jumped in with the beauties on violin. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like the small world thing. And um, we put out the first record, and we were touring. And we were playing, I think, in Aurelia... And we needed somewhere to crash. So he's like, oh, well, like, my friend Paul lives out in the country. We can go stay with him. And so, yeah, we, we ended up staying at his house that night. And we walked in and saw the recording studio. And pretty quickly got to talking about making a record together. And um, The recording studio is at their old place, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they just finished setting up in the new place. Oh, so did they? Yeah. yeah. They weren't there yet when we were there. No, it was, it was like, like that back room. Yeah. yeah. I just helped them do carpet last time I was up and like some cedar siding inside. And yeah. It's like always when you go up to the farm, it's like you have to do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to like unload boxes or put up drywall. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every time I go visit them, I end up working. Yeah. Uh, has it always been music as a choice? Uh, yeah. Like I've... I've been a roofer for seven years now, unfortunately. Oh, okay. And that's kind of been my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But music has always been, since I was 13, I was like, I want to be a musician. And it's, I mean, you guys are artists, you know, it's, it can't just be the one thing until you right. get a certain point. Right. But I've always known music. Like, I'm always going to keep trying. I'm always going to keep going for it because I just, I can't see anything else that I'm going to be happy with at the end of my life. When you think about like the the, the deathbed, <laughs> right? Morbid, <laughs> you know, like yeah. yeah. And that's got to be something that drives you. You have to kind of put yourself into that headspace where it's like, I know this is what I have to do, right? Yeah, to live a life that you're like happy with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and like every year gets better, and I feel more and more confident about it, and it'll eventually flip where I can actually just do. And I don't like doing, like, the cover gigs. I won't do the bar gigs either. So I think I'd have a better shot at being a full-time musician if I 
did that kind of stuff too. Like made a compromise? Yeah, I like to yeah. do like the 9 to 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. playing like walk a thousand miles song <laughs> kind of thing, you know? You don't like that? No, I don't no. like doing it. Even in our own, my own sets, I almost never do covers. I have like one or two that I'll do. What are they? Um, I do Kids by MGMT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you played that you one. You might have seen you. it at the camera It was good, house, yeah. So. <laughs> I like to be able to find a cover that you can take and just kind of do it your own way. Right. Like, the thing I liked about that song was, like, when you break it down, it's, like, a pretty sad song. But when you put it behind, like, that upbeat, like, techno thing that MGMT does, you kind of lose the essence of the song or... And when I started playing it folky, I'm like, this is a sad song. It works really well. Yeah, super sad. <laughs> and like that, that melody on the violin's really nice. And... Yeah. Folky music, I feel like, kind of has, always can make things sound a little bit sad, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, it can it's, make it sound the upbeat. The sadder, the better with folk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to write happy. I've never been able to write happy. <laughs> oh, real. Because oh. I feel like you, when you try and write happy, you kind of get like cheesy. Totally. I don't know how someone could do it and not hit the cheese meter a bit. I'm wondering that just is like a personality trait too, right? It could be, yeah. Do you use, when you say like you write sad or you don't write happy, do you also, does that mean you're like, you feel like you're most creative when you're in like a dark place? I think so. And I think I'm not alone in that, maybe. No. Um, I typically, I'm like, if it's like a nice weather day, mm-hmm. I'd go out and I'd just, can't get back inside and so I, I have no desire to write but i find like in the winter months i do most of my writing mm-hmm. oh yeah and i kind of go into that <laughs> the sadness yeah <laughs> depressed sleeping yeah. in yeah not going outside for three days especially yeah. in montreal is yeah. that is that something you struggle with during the winter months do you get some seasonal depression oh yeah that? yeah yeah that's always a big struggle and now i'm getting out of it as this sunny, i know sunny i just like walked coming. into the apartment today and i was like we should all go for drinks after. Yeah. What's everybody doing? I know I was going to suggest we go on the patio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can, like, talk, not talk about the song Dying if we're going to lead in with that. Yeah. yeah. That is a showstopper song. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I mean it's just stunningly Well, I've, I've, I've dropped the ball a bit, too. I meant to send you some of the new stuff to listen to before, too, but... Mm-hmm. You'll just have to wait, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Dying has always been... I just played in Stratford in February at this big, beautiful church. I mean, that song is always powerful, and I always have people come up to me. And I had a guy at the end of the night, a friend, he's like... who's really drunk, but he's like, that's your song, man. He's like, <laughs> he's like how are you ever going to close a set without another song like that? You know? Oh, <laughs> Or, like, something that powerful. And I'm like, well, I kind of... I hope I don't have to write a song that's... I'm glad that song has the impact that it does, but, you know, you never want to get that sad again that you write a song that's... No. Yeah. So I lost, like, my friend James to suicide about five years ago. And it was, like... It was one of those songs where you just sit down and it comes out. Mm -hmm. Like, I I can go months and sit down and try and write a song and nothing comes out. But then sometimes, like that one, it's just like I sat down. And I will always like sit with like a voice memo thing, and I'll just sing into it. And uh, that song was probably like ten minutes. I wrote that tune. Wow. Yeah. And I tell a story every night, and 
you know, suicide awareness is like the stigma around suicide is is going away, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> a guy, my old drummer, he lost his brother to suicide, and so we played a bunch of shows for suicide awareness and mental health. And right, it's always kind of been around for like the past decade for me. And mm-hmm. yeah. And that song, I always play it last, like, for a lot of reasons. Like, I can't even sing after I, I belt that one out. And Do you feel like it's every time you sing it in front of an audience, you're going through, like, the emotional experience again? Um, I get asked that, and I, it's never, like, the same mm-hmm. as, like, the first few times you play any song, but it's still, like... You try and put yourself back in that place where the song has that, that impact again. And, but I don't finish the song and feel super sad. Right. Mm. Which I think, I, like everyone's always kind of really quiet after <laughs> it. And it almost can be like, feel uncomfortable. Like I finished with it, finished it last night in, the, in Kingston. And the, the guy was pretty slow to put on the house music after. So it was like, <laughs> it was like me sitting there like, Everyone's like, oh, man. <laughs> is, like a, is it always like a slow clap after? or Sometimes there's like big cheers. And, and I always, always, always have people come up to me after and be like, they'll share their story or they'll mm-hmm. thank me or they'll... Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's an important song. Um, also like so telling of the impact of music mm-hmm. and how it has on people and its writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, playing that kind of music... And, like, coming from a dark place, do you find it to be, like, a coping mechanism? Your art? Or something that helps you process? That's a good question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think, think like, for some songs, I'll sit down with the intention of kind of getting stuff off my mind. Um, If you go through, like, there's, like, breakup songs and there's that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And for me, that's a good way to... Like, even if the song never gets released or never gets... It's just to put the pen to paper and kind of right. get it out of you. I'm sure that's with, like, every art form. If you're having, like, some sort of day. Like, dancing, I may... I wish I danced, like... <laughs> I had a bad day. I go home to, like, the, the Footloose. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it is. It is a bit of a coping mechanism. And then sometimes I just... I like to sit down to write... And uh, the way I write is, I'll, like I said, I have my voice memo and I'll use, I always music first and never lyrics first. And I'll just sit there and I'll kind of get a melody I like and I'll just sing. I'll sing for like half an hour and then my brain comes up with something that I like on the spot and then I'll elaborate on the lyrics after I have kind of a bit of a skeleton for it. And this songwriting, it's like a specific talent. It's different than singing and playing music. Yeah. Have you always... Has it always come naturally to you as well, or did it kind of come after? Um, No, for the first long, probably the first seven years of my guitar playing, I didn't write anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in a metal band in high school, and I would write riffs. (laughs) (laughs) Sick riffs. (laughs) 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 But I never... (laughs) Oh, yeah, I added like the long hair and everything. I was just talking to my buddy about it and laughing. <laughs> Not the long beard? 
No, no, I didn't have the beard yet. Just long, long hair and like a baby face. <laughs> Very telling of the Kurt Cobain era. Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I never wrote lyrics until I moved to London for school. And then it was just me, and I had my classical guitar, and I started. I wanted to keep playing music, but I didn't have any friends like that were musical yet, and so I started writing my own tunes then. Yeah. Very bad songs, but. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> bell songs. Yeah, I found the first CD when I was at home for Christmas, and it's oh my god, I listened to it in the car driving around the city, and I was like, this is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> like I blushed. I was sitting there in my car blushing. <laughs> It's always awkward when you find like old shit that you're just like, why did I look like that? Yeah. (laughs) But when you write this stuff or you create whatever, like in the time, like you think it's good. And I guess it just shows your progression as an artist. It's like teenage, is it like a lot of teenage angst and like self-indulgence in it or? Um, No, it was just like very, I don't know. I don't even think I ever really knew what I was trying to say. (laughs) It'd be like a couple cliches and then just like bad lyrics and. I was listening to, like, Jack Johnson, and it had kind of, like, that beachy vibe, and then it had, like, the darkness, and I was just, like... <laughs> like, there's one line in one of the songs about, like, a girl in a syringe, and, like... <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> it's so bad. One day I'm going to release some of the songs. I'll pick a few that are less You know, it would be hilarious if you did, like, bad music videos to bad songs. That would be good. It'd be so funny. That would be good. Like shot on like an iPhone and just like, <laughs> like star wiped. All I'm thinking of is like that Office episode where they do like Scranton, what? The electric. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where are you? Remind me again of the, you're from a small town. Smallish, yeah. I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Right. If you're familiar. Yep. Yeah. Is there a big music scene there? Because you talk about you... You didn't really start getting into it until you're more in London. No, there's not a huge scene. Um, like some good musicians have come out of there, but um, it's it's more of a scene because it's like if you're touring into Northern Ontario, it's like Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, Thunder Bay. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of get bigger bands that'll come through. But I find the Sioux doesn't really appreciate the nice things that the promoters try to bring in mm-hmm. like bahamas just played up there and i don't even think that sold out oh i've been looking listening to so much bahamas lately um but there's there is a scene like when i was playing metal music there was like an underground little metal scene and mm-hmm. yeah. what about your family is there anyone in there that's musical or no 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 mm-hmm. well my dad played accordion when he was younger but that was about it it's an yeah. interesting music choice yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why the guitar then um, I just kind of thought it was cool. <laughs> I just, I don't remember what sparked me wanting to play guitar, but I think one Christmas there was like a Sears wish book and I saw the acoustic guitar in there and I kind of... I love that Sears. reference, by the way. I, <laughs> I went through and you can actually find like PDFs of the old Sears magazines. There's That's a amazing. couple of them I scanned like every single Why did you piece. go through? I don't know. I just thought of the wish book one day and I just went in to see it. To see if you could find them online. <laughs> Do you remember like being so anxious to get those when oh, you were yeah. like a little kid, and they were like come in the mail, and you just like, yeah. Um, so you saw a guitar in a Sears wish book. <laughs> I think that's probably what sparked it. Um, I honestly, 
I think I was like, hmm. I was also a skater kid and I started listening to like the punk music. And that would have been around the time, so maybe that influenced it as well. A little dashboard confessional? No, this would have been like no effects and like AFI. <laughs> yeah, AFI. Like the skater punk kind of stuff. Or like when Blink came out. Oh, yeah. I think everyone kind of wanted to play music maybe at that point. Yeah. Right into it. Mm-hmm. So you... I started playing metal and punk guitar when I started, for sure. Did you have like any idols when you were in that phase? Music-wise? Um, or anybody you wanted to sound like? I really liked Eddie Van Halen, because he's like a killer guitar player. Um, he, I guess Van Halen would be my big mm-hmm. idol. And my guitar teacher was really cool. He forced me to play um, classical guitar as part of like lessons. So I'd do like three weeks of classical, and then he would, I could bring in anything to him for the fourth week or whatever. And I honestly, I really do think if I got any other guitar teacher, I might not have taken to it the way. Oh wow! Oh really? Because I, so I was in a music school with a couple other teachers, and I just I, I ended up working at the school, and the other teachers I don't think I would have got on with. Mm. So I I do wonder if like <laughs> had I started with a different teacher, would I still found my way into into music? Right. Because like even you hear about kids getting put in like piano too young or. Any instrument too young, it almost turns them off from it because it's... Yeah, I feel like if there's a lot of passion from, like, a parental figure, it often, like, makes the kid, like, like, jump out of their skin and sometimes... Mm -hmm. Like, backfires a little bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's too much pressure Mm -hmm. for, like, people at, like, such a young age, but... Especially, like, now. I feel like that's, like, becoming more and more of a thing. Like, seeing kids that are seven years old now that have, like, an after-school program, like, every single day of the week. Yeah. Um, You know, they're, like, so over-programmed and so learning so many things that they, there's, like, so much pressure on them already as, like, young children. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Have you ever thought about teaching because of... Well, I did. I used to teach. Yeah? Yeah, in high school. I was a pretty sweet job. I taught at the school after a couple years of lessons. Yeah. And uh, I liked it, but I just, I didn't like... The big thing I didn't like was that people would come in with their kids, Mm -hmm. and you have them for half an hour. You teach them, they go home, they don't practice. Right. They come back the next week, and it's like the same thing over and over again. Like, the kid's not going to get better. Right. But the parents are like, well, why aren't they improving? (laughs) It's like, what do you mean? Do they practice at home? Yeah. 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 I had a few kids that were really, really good that I really did enjoy, but honestly, 75% of the time, I wasn't happy teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was just... I'd go home after, I'd do high school, go teach for three, four hours, and go home. And I didn't even want to play guitar after all that. And mm, yeah. I found by the end, yeah, I just, I lost kind of my own passion for music. Right. Because I was teaching it. I don't know if it's just because I was teaching it, but I was just too tired or. It's like you're pumping all your energy into something that's not giving you anything back. Yeah. yeah. Which is the exhausting part of teaching. Yeah. And I find that when I teach, and I teach kids that like give something back to me, like either they're super engaged or they're, you know, lovely children and mm-hmm. we have like a fun time together, then that's a different thing. But when I show up every single week and like you were saying, nothing's changing and you're just yeah. doing the same thing every week and you like keep putting emotional and physical energy into something cause it's a physical practice. Yeah. You just like leave and you have no desire to do it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so draining. 
You teach dancing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you both teach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. You've been teaching doing it's it for such long? such a market. Dance <laughs> teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Bananas. There's like a big demand for it. Too. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should have been a fucking dancer. I should have been a dancer. Yeah. <laughs> you would have, like, been one of the few male dance teachers in Southern Oh, you would have been Southern a commodity. Been oh, really? People would be. You would get every job. I feel like you're traveling so much right now for your work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how is it affecting you, and how are you dealing with it, and is, are you bothered by it, or...? Um, no. I mean... A big, like I did so many shows in January, like I did the Toronto residency, mm-hmm. you guys came to the one show at the Cameron House. But it was kind of like my tactic this winter to kind of get through winter quicker and better was to book a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I always mind it the first few hours or just before I leave, I kind of get like anxious about it, but yeah. Um, no, I enjoy the travel. I do. I like going to the new places. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about in your email, though, the, like, dark side of touring. Yeah. And, like, the drinking and the partying and drinking to get through the next show. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not so much, I'm assuming, as a solo artist, but when you were in a Or band. maybe more as a solo artist, I guess, depending <laughs> on who you are. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, we did talk about... Because mm-hmm. you, you, you asked me yeah, to think you, of a story about how being, a, and I went very literal. <laughs> <laughs> you did. Um, I think you always kind of feel a little bit gross touring. You don't eat very well on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have hosts, or if they put you up for the night, they give you like a home cooked meal. But otherwise, you know, like when you're driving around, like that's what you got is like the fast food or the. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing too is the the drinking. Um, since being solo now, it's a lot better. But over the years, when I played in bands, like you just get drunk every show. Oh, right. And I think it's pretty. Uh, it takes its toll. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it has a toll on you, like mentally, physically, artistically, your ability to play. Um. I don't know, like you get, I played in bands where it was like, one, you kind of drew straws for who was going to drive and then everyone mm. else was getting hammered. Oh. Because basically, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's pretty common, I think, with bands, especially when you're like younger, excited, starting out. Yeah. And usually you're playing bars where they give you free booze. That's how they pay you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you like, since all these breweries started popping up, they feed you beer the whole night so if you're not driving you just drink and yeah and it also comes like i think a lot of musicians are very um almost socially awkward or like self-kept or i don't know introverted i guess mm-hmm. yeah. i know for me like it was always nice i've gotten better over the years but for a long time i was just like i had a lot of social anxiety and drinking was the way that i could loosen up to play these shows and not be nervous and then it turned into like well if I drink then I'm I'm easier to talk to and I feel better socially and I feel more confident in that regard and then it just spirals into like you're drinking all the time just for like 
to find what you think is your normal or mm -hmm. to make yourself feel more charismatic yeah almost. yeah and then like i mentioned too it's like you're drinking off the hangover right yeah. it's like all you do is just keep putting it off <laughs> it's very the real. overwhelming hangover will yeah. actually kill you <laughs> but i had a few years where i was just like i was just talking to my girlfriend about this i'm like i think i was like kind of getting to be like almost alcoholic-y or like just too dependent on it mm -hmm. and i kind of recognize that and so i've i've made conscious effort to to slow it all down and was that a something that you recognize now later on or something that you recognized in the moment and in the moment i recognized later on i guess both mm -hmm. so i was like okay let's just it's gotta stop and like i was turning 30 and i wanted to like i didn't want to go into my 30s I wanted to like get healthier and feel better, and mm -hmm. so I've been, I've been a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's like I do solo shows, so I can't drink. Right. Like I'll have one or two pints that the bar will give me, and then I'll have to drive. It's it's interesting that you mentioned um, it kind of coming from what area of social anxiety, mm -hmm. especially because now you're a, well, besides your violinist, you're like a one person. Yeah. Band. So really, you're doing all of this. You can no longer rely on the band members to, you know, network mm. in the bar after yeah. or talk on stage. Yeah. It's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest part of shows. <laughs> it's like I I honestly stress every show. I'm like, oh, I need, what am I gonna say? Like, what should I? That's your biggest stress. It's not even performing. It's Performing's fine. Performing's <laughs> 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 <It's> fine. <laughs> And I honestly, th I'm sure people don't even care. Like, they just, like, you want to hear the music. Like, some people are just so good at talking in between songs, and you see them, and you're like, ugh. Oh. But it's like, I don't know. I think you just have to have that. I get told I'm pretty good at it, but I still stress myself out about it. <laughs> you're right at it. Oh. My boyfriend is actually in love with you. <laughs> I will say that. He, like, as soon as we saw you that night, he went home, and, like, the next day he, like, works... In his electrician, he downloaded oh, yeah. like all of your music. Oh, good! And he's just been like aggressively listening. He's like, "Have you heard this song by him yet?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Lucas, chill the fuck out. <laughs> he's about to get new stuff. Good, I'm yeah. excited. Um, moving into that, he actually, you remind him like, are very up his alley, and you remind him a lot of the bands he really enjoys. But any bands you often get compared to, and mm. or single musicians, I've had like. Gregory Allen Isaacov comparison once or twice. No, I don't get pegged a lot. No. That's hmm. something. Um, no, I was, trying, I was actually trying to think of that. Cause I, no, I don't actually... I'm, nothing's jumping out. I don't really remember people saying much. But <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people that it's kind of like... A, actually, I think I've had like Damien Rice comparison before. White guys that? with guitars. White guy and beards. <laughs> and beards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't even think it's the music. <laughs> Do you take those comparisons as like a badge of honor, or are you kind of like I'm my own person? <laughs> um, I don't really care. Nah, I, you don't. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. I mean, it's nice to be compared to people that you do look up to, mm -hmm. which is good. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't get all puffy. <laughs> uh, where has your new music come from? 
Um, in like the place of that you're writing from. Oh, uh, well, the one song, one of the songs is just like an old kind of poemy song, and it's just I don't know. It's a lot of like, it's just about trying to be like. If you figure yourself out, it's called sold and it talks about like selling your soul to the devil and <laughs> um old brother is like a really sad song about my winter blues mm-hmm. and depression <laughs> and it um crying wolf was a breakup song and so I guess like those two there would be like old brother and crying wolf would be like a coping a coping thing for mm-hmm. sure like what you were talking about um I don't know. And then Dust to Rust, I wrote that song as kind of, I joke about how it's a diss song for my O2 Civic. And it's like a love song <laughs> for my apartment. <laughs> like I take the dust to rust. Um, the Greatest Thaw, which is the, the title, title track for the album, I wrote in the Botanical cart, uh, Gardens in Montreal. And it's just about spring finally coming around and and then Ribbon in the Wind was a song that I always wanted to write about. I just like childhood and like turning 30 again. I feel like the older you get, the more you kind of look back on childhood. I don't know if it's the same for you. Yeah, we just made a film Especially about when you're like, <laughs> when it comes time to pay bills. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's just, yeah. And I just, I've been thinking about it. And um, that's, the, that's the first song I'm releasing in two weeks on April 5th. I'm really excited about that one. Um, sorry, the question was like the process for it? Um, just like we're writing them from like an internal place. Because we talked about um, you writing a lot in the winter to help yeah. like cope with yeah. it being winter. Yeah. And like writing from a dark and sad place. There's there's definitely some of that yeah. <laughs> on the record. But I think, I think the majority of it's not as sad, maybe. Okay. <laughs> There's hope in this one. The first <laughs> album was all just sad, sad songs. <laughs> oh, then Blackwater. That one I wrote. It's I wrote that one. That was the last one that went on to the record, and it's a song about Paul and Lisa's place, like the farm, mm-hmm. like that. You recorded the the album on. Um, I just want to jump back to you. Kind of just talked about your like depression. Yep. Um. Being on the road alone, is that harder or it's, is that helpful? It's different. Mm-hmm. It's been an adjustment. I feel like that's like... I talk to myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I sing along to the radio a lot. I'm pretty fine to be alone, though. I spend a lot of time alone. Like I, And then winters, I, I'm at home all day. It's just me and my cat, Roscoe. <laughs> Um, Let's talk about Roscoe after this. <laughs> yes. Um, it just gets a little bit boring sometimes when you're killing time, I guess, in between. Like, you usually get to a city early and you're just sitting there. Right. On your Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Looking at Instagram. I think I asked that because when I am alone, I feel like that's the, my, my time. Like, my mind really starts to wander. Or when I'm doing, like, a medial task, like mm-hmm. driving, or it kind of... And when your mind wanders, if you, like, have these issues, it often, like, wanders into these very dark corners. Yeah. So that's kind of where that was coming from, but... No, um, I don't... No, I don't find I get that. I kind of... 
I'm always thinking about music and how to like. I'm just like I. It's to my girlfriend's dismay. I'm like always like she's like I can tell when you're not listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> my head. I'm just always in my head, just like thinking of stuff where I hear something. I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta remember to do that or. And so I think a lot of time when I'm driving, I'm just sitting there scheming, trying to right. figure out. And now, like, honestly, we're over the hump of the winter sadness, I think. Winter sadness. Um, <laughs> That's true. Although maybe not in Montreal. I find, I find I do get kind of bummed. I'm sure you guys are the same where you... The worst part about social media is the comparing to other people. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even like you should be celebrating each other, but at the same time, you just like, everyone's in the rat race and you see people that are just like hitting these milestones that you quite can't get to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're just like, if you choose to go on social media all day, you're getting hammered with that stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I find I'm very hard on myself and I have a lot of days where there's like complete self-doubt and I'm like, I should just like find a different career and then I always jump back I'm like no I can't do something else but I find just seeing everyone else which is awesome that people are are having the success but I find social media kind of puts you in this bad headspace yeah and a friend of mine was doing music and she's like I just stopped she's like I hated I hated I'm so ashamed of myself for like having those feelings for having feelings of self-doubt resentment of other Mm -hmm. people and what did she do now? Like, she quit because she had so much resentment and she just, like, hated feeling that way? Yeah, she had other stuff she wanted to do, too. So yeah. it wasn't, like, a be-all, end-all for her, but... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I wonder sometimes if... the part of the problem with social media and us, like, comparing ourselves to people all the time as artists is because we were brought up in a generation that there wasn't like everybody thought about arts in like a scarcity type mm-hmm. way you know yeah. where because there wasn't internet because there wasn't all of these other platforms and venues and avenues that there are now yeah we just like because of our age and when we grew up right in the middle we grow up being taught that like mm, there's not that many options for you because there's only like one way to do everything yeah and true. so we're like stuck in this middle area where we're a, exploring all the new platforms and B, still struggling with this idea that there's only one option or there's only like, you know, 1% of the artists that make it. Yeah. yeah. And like what we think is making it is so different now Yeah. versus even like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I don't think there's like a scare, like it's really hard to get out of this mentality that a scare of scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Like just... Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, someone else's success doesn't mean that you're unsuccessful. Yeah, yeah, right? that's true. But when all you see is success on social media, it's really hard. And that's like the way people post is always like the best life, yeah. best moments, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely grew up in a different, a different time, I think. Like even for music, you couldn't... You just, like, had to get a record deal to make a record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now everyone can put just their own music online. You're competing with a lot of stuff, but... I mean, you just put something good out and tour it. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So many people put out records and they don't play shows. And then it's... Time comes to play, or if you do get a big opportunity, it's like you 
fucking suck live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. Totally. Like, That's the big seller. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about like struggling with grants before we went on the air. Yeah. Yeah. I just missed barely this factor grant that I was going for. So I've been self-funding this record. Um, which is like no savings account lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? It's terrible, but it's, you got to, I got to get it done. I can't wait on a grant. And I think people do, but it's just like, I'm going to make this thing one way or another. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I missed by 1% or 1.2% on that. It's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah. And the one, the one juror's note was, uh, it'd be nice to hear the songs fully produced. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why I want the grant. Fucking give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole comment. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was joking earlier. I'm like, that could be the reason I didn't get it was this one person didn't fully understand the criteria. <laughs> like, you're not going to get the fully produced song. And so I ended up tweaking the grant and resubmitting at the end of January with like a more produced version of the song mm-hmm. to see if that was like at least to shut up the one person <laughs> watch the comment you'll get back this time is like it seems like it's already quite produced yeah, already you don't there. need this yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. but you had that call like tips for grants and I, did, I hired a grant writer just cause oh yeah you replied to that yeah I, hire a grant writer I can't write I'm terrible I'm a terrible creative writer for like I have poor grammar skills like <laughs> <laughs> writing takes so much out of you. Yeah. 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 I, I just handed in a 3,000 word research paper. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. I couldn't write 3,000 words about anything. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> Exhausting. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys, do you apply for grants? We have in the past. We have. We made a conscious decision last year to not apply for a full year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because of just where we were and we decided that that wasn't the route that we were going to take yeah um what sort of grants would you apply for like for what like the toronto arts Arts council ontario arts council um we for for what kind of project would it be so the last one we applied for was for our prairie girl yeah for our film check please send that to me i saw that you posted something about yeah yes We can watch it here on the TV. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's all right. Um, so we applied for that um, and were unsuccessful. And it was like an unsuccessful because the reasoning was, first of all, it was just like immediately taken away. Right. So like we submitted, did all this work on it, and then they were like, nope, disqualified. So we were like, why, why? are we disqualified? And then Corinne called up, and they're like, "Oh, you should have submitted to two different vent like areas." Yeah, because it was a short film, but it was a dance film, and we submitted in the dance like production side. We submitted as like one pro- one project. Yeah. So like the rehearsal time, creating the material, producing of the film, like on set day and post production. Yeah. All at once, what we should have done was applied for like a research section for the rehearsals Mm -hmm. and then we should apply it in like film and media for the post-production right it's ridiculous but like how are we supposed to yeah and we had like someone helping us not a grant writer but a friend of us that was working with us at the time yeah and who like looked in 
their like had asked questions to the granting committee and like tried to like figure out the best place for it and it immediately got like disqualified on yeah on technicality or i guess it's not a technicality but like Mm -hmm. something that wasn't obvious to us could you just go like for the next deadline resubmit we could like we could have we could have did it but at that point we we had we didn't have time yeah we were just like needed to do it yeah. Um, and then was. we also like applied to um, another festival, a festival to be commissioned to make it. Yeah. And didn't get that either. Also, like grant writing is hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like totally. it's hard and it really takes something out of you. I like was luckily. Sorry. I like have received one grant in my life and it was it took like two months out of my life, <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. And it was. <laughs> I remember, it's very funny because it was while we were dancing together in Calgary and I remember her like coming to rehearsal like crying because she was like so stressed about it. Yeah. Yes. It was really stressful. Which is like so ridiculous now that I think about things. Speaking of like younger selves and just being like embarrassed. You're just like, so you don't fucking get it. Like it's yeah. fine. Like now I've got knocked out in so many grams. So I'm like, look at my younger self. I was like, pull it together, girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that maybe this upcoming year, that might be something that we think of. But I think this past year, we were just really focused on A, the podcast. And that was like producing something consistently is a challenge. Yeah. You know, you have mm-hmm. it's so much time that is getting put into like every single week we're producing a, yeah something. Producing content on a weekly basis yeah. is really fucking hard yeah, yeah. so like which we didn't realize when we you're started doing this weekly yeah oh my god so like that is like it's challenging and because we put so much time into this right now and this is our one of our main focuses as a company we just didn't have time we don't have time to write no and and we're both like working professionals so we're just like your you masters know, it's like yeah we're just priorities are elsewhere yeah just like sometimes we're just like let's just yeah pay for it ourselves i guess yeah, yeah. well this train's got to keep rolling yeah yeah and, like, if we would have gotten the grant that we applied for for Prairie Girl, it would probably be a very different film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but. Yeah. But we did it anyways. And we paid for it ourselves, and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Paul and Lisa are doing the sound for it. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Paul nice. did the sound design for our last film, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, like, very lovely. And him and Lisa are working on the soundtrack for this next one together. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're super excited about That's why we... Well, besides, like, going up to their farm to, like, get drunk and record with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, like, talked music stuff with them for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He's really good at that. And did you shoot... Have you shot music videos yet? Yeah, well, I just did the two live ones with Southern Souls in Trinity St. Paul. I did mm-hmm. that in February. I'm going to be rolling those out in the next couple months. And then other Paul, Paul Meadows, mm-hmm. brother-in-law, recorded. Uh, we did like a, an actual video at Paul and Lisa's farm, yeah. which was cool. It's got a bunch of a bunch of cat shots. And then <laughs> uh, after the winter renovations, the uh, they accumulated what they call a burn pile. Mm-hmm. This thing was so big. And so they happened to have the permit the weekend we were shooting the film. <gasps> so you live so it that's up. kind of like a big focal point of the music video. Yeah. It's this big burn pile. And like, oh, it's just cool. kind of like following me around the farm. 
Nice. It's really cool. And it was dandelion season too, so it's like a beautiful, beautiful. Oh, wow. A little pop of color. Yeah. That's going to come out May 5th. Nice. Let me put wow. that in So great. It's great. You have a show in Toronto coming up. April 12th at the Dakota Tavern. Wow. 7 to 9 p.m. Do you need tickets? <laughs> tickets are $10 mm-hmm. advanced, 12 at the door. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with uh, uh, Michael Boguski, who's Blue Rodeo's longtime keyboard player. Yes. And he just put out his Blues for the Pentinent, which is a, he's an improv project that he's doing right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to talk to him about something. I'm yeah. Coming. It's super cool. Yes. You can check that out on Spotify. Yeah. Or I'm sure it's everywhere. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very excited. So it's going to be like a cool different setup. I think it's going to be he does like 15 minutes of his stuff. And then I'm going to do with my first time playing with the new violin player. We're going to do half an hour take a break he's gonna do 15 we'll do like half an hour and he's gonna join us for a couple songs and And all new stuff um we'll play everything from the new record and then all the hits cool (laughs) 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 i love that Um, well we have to ask you because we keep forgetting yes it's being an artist fucking killing you um yeah, right now, I mean, this is probably going to be one of those hindsight things. Yeah. <laughs> right now, honestly, I'm just tired. <laughs> honestly, like, I don't stop working to some capacity. You know, I do roofing in the day for most of the year. And then all day when I go down to the ground, I check my phone or I'll send out a quick email on lunch. I'll sit there and I'll do emails. I go home from work and I'll have, you know, a 10, 12 hour day on the roof. And then I'll go home and I'll spend a few hours just like catching up on emails and the weekends and I'm just like my brain's always in it and Mm -hmm. even when I take vacation I find I can't really let myself relax because I feel like I just I gotta get to that next point or something or that's like the hardest part I think about being an artist is this like no vacation life yeah yeah like I feel very fortunate that I, I have people that like my music and I can go and travel around and play and know that there's gonna be people there and I mean, that's all, that's all you could ever ask for. But I just, right. yeah, I want to get to the point where I can live off of my art. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Right there with you. Yeah. So I don't know if it's killing me. <laughs> You're tired. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. It's making me sleepy. Yeah. yeah. Tired it's talking me. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it killing you? killing me right now yeah yeah i'm feeling very exhausted i feel like i just haven't stopped since this time last year yeah which is great it's beautiful to be working well, hashtag but, but do you blessed. find that when you're not busy then you kind of go oh i should be doing something 100 percent. two oh, projects in how do you february. get out of that i finished two projects in february and i had immediate depression yeah like immediately like was in a dark state yeah <laughs> and i was just like Oh, well, now you can work on your thesis. And I was like, oh, but also, like, are you ever going to be booked again? Yeah. Mm. Who are you as a person? <laughs> Cry like yourself did, to sleep every night. <laughs> by mid-February, I'd already done pr- close to 20 shows in 2019. And I took a couple weeks off, and I honestly felt guilty about, like... <gasps> yes. I was like, I'm not worthy. I'm like, I should be doing more. I should be doing... I don't know where... And so much of it's just booking. Like, all I do is sit on the computer and you email. And it's like, well, either these people respond to me or they don't. Yeah. And it's like, some people are so bad with email. And it's like, Ugh. You Tell me about here it. and you book shows. <laughs> Fucking respond. Just say no. 
Yeah. yeah. No is fine. I yeah. just hate when there's so much stuff in limbo all the time. Like booking is always like you're looking at a calendar. It's like you have a couple things, but then it's like I can't jump on anything else until I know about these things. Right. right. So much of it's up in the air and it usually comes together last minute. But No, I don't know how you get out of that. No, I don't know. I don't Listen, I I'm gonna make a very aggressive pop culture reference here, but Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> took a break <laughs> after she won her or two years ago because she had just been doing like so many movies after yeah. another. And she was like, I need a year where I don't do anything. Yeah. And then halfway through that year she started working again. Yeah. So like yeah. Well, it's like retirement and stuff, too. Like, my parents are both getting to that age. My mom doesn't want to. My dad doesn't want to. I think like, there's... What am I going to do? That's what they say. Isn't it? I wonder if there's just, like, a certain type of people. Yeah. And we're not those people. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll just, like, never retire. We'll never stop. We'll... Maybe we'll get better at coping, but, like... Yeah. Maybe we'll, like, never stop doing something. Well, that's what I like about being an artist, is you can... Depending what it is, you can do it till the day you drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be a 90-year-old folk singer, yeah. <laughs> but I won't, like, if I can do this for a living, I wouldn't, I don't want to retire. What do you mean? I wouldn't. Yeah, I just, right. Like, you work so hard to get there. Or you can slow down to, to like, 10, 20 yeah. shows a year and just do the stuff you want to do. Right, right. You work so hard to get to this level of success that it's why stopping almost feels like what the fuck feels was like, all this for? Feels like giving mm-hmm. up. Yeah, retiring like, would feel like giving up. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, if I had Jennifer Lawrence's bank account, yeah, though, I could fuck. take a year. <laughs> I could. <laughs> I could take a year. Hundred percent. Trotting. Yeah. Yeah, I would just travel. Like I, that's what I would do then. I guess if I retired. But you could only. If travel I had for the s- money to travel on my downtime. Right. Then. But you could only do so much of that. I think eventually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, leisure travel. Like, I travel a lot, but I would go on a, like, just, like go on a cruise or... No, I wouldn't want to go on a cruise. I want to go, like... <laughs> Cruises are boring. I know. Whoa, Florida. I dread that instantly. Yeah. <laughs> but even, like, I've gone to, like, resorts and stuff, and I get bored, too. Oh, yeah. And I say, it's going to be fun. I'm going to like it. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm... It's hot. It's nice. But it's like, you just sit there on the beach. and I'm just, like, I Some people love that. I can only drink so much tequila. Oh, again, yeah, you're hungover all the time. Yeah. I also do this thing where, like, when I'm busy, I'm like, oh, when I'm not busy, I'm just going to lay in bed for, like, a week. That's all I'm going to do. And then I don't get busy. And then I, like, lay in bed for literally maybe one day. And then the next day, I'm like, you need to do something with your life. You need to move. You're going to get bed sores. Like, wake up. Flip me. (laughs) (laughs) Someone with, like, a big paddle to flip you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel very similar. Yeah. Last week was so rough for me. So last week was like March break, so I didn't have any kids' classes. Yeah. And this, one of the fitness studios that I also teach at was closed because we're relocating, and I just literally had like six days of nothing. And yeah. I was like, the first two days were great. Day three, I was like picking fights with people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by people, do you mean Andre? Yes. <laughs> picking fights with Andre because we are both not working right now. Yeah. <laughs> picking fights. <laughs> I'm bored, so let's fight. <laughs> yeah, it was real rough. I was like, well, this tells you you're A, not ready to live together. Yeah. <laughs> B, cannot be both not working at the same time. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you don't live here? No, I don't. No. Okay. no. How um, do you manage living as an artist and doing all these things and being busy all the time while having a full-time live-in girlfriend? Um, she also an artist? 
Yeah. Okay. Well, she's like she's in the arts. Mm. She's um, she kind of she doesn't create as much as she should, but she's talented. But she's a really good writer. Um, it's fine. Like we, I think the the biggest stress is just kind of the schedules are always off, mm-hmm. and so like I'll be playing a show until. I won't get out of show till 1 a.m. or whatever it is, and she's already in bed. And then my downtime, she's working, and so there's like only this little window of opportunity right. to talk when I'm away, and that's always kind of the the stressful part of it, I guess. Yeah, right. I mean, the time away is it's hard, but um, it's like it's got to be done, and she's very, very cool about it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And I don't usually go away for longer than like a week, mm-hmm. two weeks, so. But, yeah, she's really supportive, which is nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I was, like, for reasons that you just, like, talked about, I don't know if I could date someone long-term that's not a creative in some yeah. sense of the word. Just because, you know, people that love their 9 to 5 and, like, love their schedule and just, like, doesn't work yeah. for very long. You know? I mean, I disagree. Obviously. True. Yeah. <laughs> have a partner who is yeah. yeah. He's a nine to fiver. But yeah. not really. Not really. Yeah. He's not. No. <laughs> He's not in finance. No. But yeah. my boyfriend's an electrician. Yeah. But he's like very high up in the company, so he works like six in the morning until ten at night. Hey. It's a nightmare. <laughs> but balancing it is weird because he's not a creative. He's a creative I mean like in a sense, but I mean, yeah. He's, he's a problem solver. He's a problem solver. Yeah. He's great. But it's always kind of weird because, like, you'll go... I mean, you might not see notice this as much or even... This might not be an issue with you at all, but I'm always like, what did you think of it? Of, like, the show or, like, this? And he's like, it's great. Yeah. It's good. It's ashamed. <laughs> and you're just like, I need more validation. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, I'm guilty of that. I'm bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me all the good things about what yeah. you saw. Remember that one moment when I played my <laughs> pick? Yeah, wasn't that great? <laughs> it's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Anyway, we're going to have to cut that all around probably. But thank you so much. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone go see his show, April 12th, Dakota. Yep. 7 to 9? Seven to nine. And follow me. Because Instagram... Yes. What is your Instagram? My Father's Son Live. Right. It used to be My Father's Son Music, but I got hacked. Oh. <laughs> I got the Russian collusion. <laughs> 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 I had, like, a bunch of, a, like, of, like, attempted logins from, like, was this you trying to log in? It was, like, somewhere overseas. Uh. And then eventually I got, I got the suspicious, like... I didn't even think twice about it, but my... Accounts public, so you don't have to request to follow me. Right. And I got a request, and I accepted it, and I think that's what, like, opened the door for them. And so then the next day, my Instagram was, like, this naked woman as my profile photo. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) And then it, like, sent out, like, these really dirty messages. (laughs) And then I I managed to get it all under control, but then a couple weeks later, like, Christmas morning, I woke up, my Instagram was taken down uh-huh. and you can't get a hold of them like instagram yeah so mm-hmm. i tried to and then i was like well i'm gonna start another account mm-hmm. and just like in the meantime right. I had all these shows coming up and 
Did you lose a bunch of followers? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How well, many? You, you don't get any of your followers back. Wow. How many did you lose? I was somewhere between eight, 900 people, I think. Oh, wow. Mm. And then now I'm at 400, building my way back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like well, fucking hard. But it works, because everything else was my father's son live, and then, so now I finally have that in sync with, right. with it, so. Yeah. Everybody go follow. Yeah. Everyone go follow it. Everyone go see the show. Yeah. Yeah. And download, go to Spotify. Mm -hmm. You're on Spotify. I'm on Spotify. Great. Yeah. And so April 5th, Ribbon in the Wind's coming out. Mm -hmm. And that's very exciting. Yeah. I'm working with a publicist for the first time, so. Ooh. Leveling up. Leveling up. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any questions for us or for you, <laughs> um, yeah. feel free to send us a message on Instagram, DM us, send us an email, send us a Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Um, <laughs> also, uh, everybody, our newsletter is being released next month, so go subscribe to that and hear everything. You can see podcasts that we loved this past um, quarter. You can see additions or shows that we're interested in coming up. You can see a little bit of what we've done in the past and... Mm-hmm. We'll keep you updated. So definitely go subscribe to that. Also, our party's on our party. Sorry, our one-year anniversary Ooh. is coming up. Coming up very fast. So the our actual one-year anniversary from like deciding we were a company was April or is April sixth. Yes, 6th. but I think our party's gonna be the first weekend of May. Yes, my birthday's April seventh. Oh my gosh, oh, Aries. April 16th. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'm a Pisces. I'm a fish. I'm the like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fuck out of here with that bullshit grin. <laughs> She's like over emotional all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. <laughs> so our one year party is coming up. This is the worst outro we've ever done. Our one year party is coming up. So go follow us on all those platforms because we will be announcing ticket mm-hmm. sales. We have something really, really exciting and fun planned for you guys. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you're definitely going to be into it. So maybe we'll start teasing that. So definitely keep your eyes peeled because we're very excited to share with you yeah. um, what we're working on. Also, go to our Patreon and give us money. So <laughs> <laughs> with love, Rainy. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>